This is Morning Edition from NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. Schools across the country and here in the Granite State continue to face pressure to remove titles that have LGBTQ characters or deal with mature themes. Now the New Hampshire Department of Education is getting involved in book banning debates. NHPR's Sarah Gibson has been following this story, and she joins us now. Good morning, Sarah. Hi, Rick. The Department of Education has been weighing in on one particular debate over a book in the Dover School District. Can, can you tell us more about that? Sure. So over the past year, a couple residents have been essentially challenging books that are in the school library um, in, in the Dover School District. And uh, some of these books actually aren't physically there, but might be potentially available through the online library the school makes available to students. One of those which got a lot of attention is called Boy Toy. And it's uh, a story that has very disturbing and difficult content. It's about a main character, a teenage boy, who's groomed and sexually molested when he's in middle school by a teacher. And I I should note, this book isn't super popular, according to circulation um, records. It's actually just been checked out about 20 times in the last 15 years, just just one time by a student since 2017. Um, so it wasn't widely read, but there was a formal complaint. So then that meant that Dover started this kind of formal book reconsideration process. Um, and as that was happening, the spring, summer, and fall, the Department of Education also started making inquiries into this book. And um, we kind of know this through public records requests, basically um, the same person who complained to the school district, complained to the Department of Education. And there was a misconduct investigator who contacted Dover about the book. Um, and, and in fact, the education commissioner, Frank Edelblue, reached out in a series of letters asking about the book Boy Toy and also asking about a graphic novel um, that has received a lot of book challenges across the U.S. called Gender Queer. Uh, and I should note, Dover does not have gender queer on its shelves. Okay, Sarah, is this, is this a typical approach from state education officials to you know to be involved in a specific district debate over a specific book or specific content? Uh, I would say this level of scrutiny and detail is is unusual for a top agency official, but it is in line with what we've seen from the Department of Education in the last few years. Schools are really the site of a lot of very political and politicized debates right now, and the Department of Education regularly fields complaints from parents and residents about what is happening or in some cases just is alleged to be happening in schools. And then um, instead of leaving it up to the school district to kind of handle those complaints, the commissioner of education, as well as some of his deputies, do in fact get involved. And in this case, the commissioner actually was specifically saying, you know, there are concerns about the mental health of students with books and pointing out that the books in Dover School District have um explicit themes and might not be developmentally appropriate. And again, as you said, this book has been checked out once by a student in the last six years. That's correct. Now, what did school officials in Dover have to say about the Department of Education getting involved? Uh, they did not believe it was under the commissioner's purview. And they said, by law, it's a it's a local control issue for them to figure out. And the assistant superintendent actually told me, she said it was, it was clear that we were being asked to reconsider our thought process. Um, and she also told me that the kind of um, commentary from the Department of Education about mental health meant that she kind of felt 
they were insinuating that having these books on the shelf was jeopardizing students' mental health. And I should know, um, you know, as many people, as many of our listeners know, there, there is a mental health crisis among a lot of young people across the country and in New Hampshire. I mean, we see statistics reflecting that. So that to her felt like an accusation. And for a while, Dover actually just ignored the letters coming in from the Department of Education about their process. And then they recently sent a letter back um, saying, basically, stop bugging us. We have this under control. And according to your reporting, Commissioner Edelblue continued to ask questions. Yeah. So in a letter sent this week, the commissioner said explicitly that he's not trying to get districts to remove specific material. He says he wants to know how they deem material developmentally appropriate, basically like what criterion they're using to determine what should be um, in schools. Now, the ACLU of New Hampshire and GLAAD have have been raising alarms about these inquiries from the Department of Education. How are they pushing back? So they sent a series of letters out this week. um, And and though Edelblue did not tell the district to remove books, the attorneys of these organizations warned that his communications are, quote, insinuating that Dover should consider whether to remove texts. And they said that doing so could be a violation of free speech and anti-discrimination protections. And they also sent a letter um, you know, kind of about this concern about violation of free speech to, to school districts as well. Um, and they told me that a lawsuit was not imminent against the Department of Education, but that everything is on the table. And they did file a really big records request with the Department of Education to learn more about how that department is dealing with and in some cases intervening in book complaints. Sarah, what kind of rights do school boards have under state law to, to make their own decisions about content or, or books in schools? So, I mean, New Hampshire is a local control state, and in a lot of realms, that's a double-edged sword. But certainly in this question of, um, you know, who decides what books remain on the shelves, that that is a local control issue. Um, There is no state law that requires school districts to have a specific procedure for reconsideration if there is a book challenge. There are a number of school districts kind of per um, best practices who have a reconsideration policy. Um, Dover actually is one of those. And that procedure can be kind of lengthy. In fact, it it takes many months often and many hundreds of hours sometimes in time. But I think it's important to remember that library books aren't curriculum. They're they're not like required as an English school uh, as an English class assignment would be. And so the guiding principle of the committees when they're looking at books in a library context is not necessarily if it's developmentally appropriate as much as, you know, does it um, fulfill our goals of free speech, diversity of resources in a library, and this notion of freedom of inquiry, which, you know, libraries are kind of all about. And HBR's Sarah Gibson. Sarah, thank you. You're welcome. You can read Sarah's full story and find more of her reporting, as always, at nhpr.org. New Hampshire's updated climate change plan is due early next year. NHPR's Mara Hoplomazian joins us now to talk about that. Good morning. Good morning, Rick. Mara, why is it important for the state to update its current climate plan? Well, New Hampshire got a grant from the federal government to update the plan. And if we submit the first update by March of next year, New Hampshire can apply for its share of $4.6 billion in federal funding that's been set aside to help implement climate solutions and create green jobs. So there's potentially a lot of money on the line, and getting this climate plan updated is the first step to accessing it. Now, what would that money from the federal government go toward? That's what the climate plan update is focused on, figuring out what we want to spend it on in the state. Regulators say their goal 
goal is to achieve significant emissions reductions by 2030, reduce air pollutants in lower income communities, and pursue policies that can be scaled up in other places. So some of the ideas that have been floated are things like energy efficiency and weatherization efforts, electric vehicle infrastructure, or solar on community buildings. Now, you were reporting this week on on folks across the state gathering to give some input on, on this plan. What are you hearing from people? Yeah, Wednesday night was the first community-focused engagement meeting. About 30 people gathered on Zoom to talk about their priorities. Lots of folks were focused on the benefits from this plan going to renters or other communities that have historically had a harder time accessing climate solutions, you know, not just homeowners. Energy efficiency was a big focus. Um, That's things like adding insulation to a house to help it retain heat or stay cool or installing appliances that use less heat or water. Other people brought up improving biking infrastructure, making recycling more efficient or replacing fossil fuel energy sources with more renewables. And are there going to be other opportunities for residents to, to give some input? Yep. There's two more Zoom community conversations on January 9th and January 24th. Um, And New Hampshire Listens is also planning some in-person engagement meetings across the state. The first one of those that's been scheduled is January 16th in Concord, but there's going to be more all across the state. Now, Mara, as a reporter, what questions do you have as state officials are continuing to work on this? Yeah, Rick, I'm really curious how this engagement will truly become part of New Hampshire's climate plan, Um, you know, how the the priorities that Granite Staters are are bringing up will become part of the planning process. State officials said they're also working with the governor's office on this. Um, and New Hampshire has historically been behind its neighbors on climate change solutions. So I'll be following how this planning process could sort of spark action we haven't seen in the state before. There's also a big focus from the federal government on environmental justice. And given the fact that New Hampshire doesn't have laws around environmental justice, it'll be interesting to see how that focus changes our proposals here in the state. OK, we'll be watching for your reporting. Well, you know, winter is coming, and though we're certainly feeling the the cold this morning, New Hampshire winters are getting warmer on average. Isn't that right? Yes, um, they are. As as humans continue to use fossil fuels and heat up the atmosphere, our winters in New England are warming up, um, and winters are warming faster than any other season. They're also warming faster here than in other parts of the country, um, and this year may reflect that trend. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration says New Hampshire should expect above average temperatures this winter. Yeah, and it's supposed to be warm uh, up to the 50s this weekend after, after a cold start, and, and we're expecting rain, not snow, later. Um, how are ski resorts having to, to adapt to these warmer winters? Yeah, so I spoke with Jessica Keeler, who runs Ski New Hampshire this week, and she told me warming winters are definitely a concern in the industry. Ski resorts have been investing in snowmaking for a while, and Keeler says they're constantly updating their machines to sort of keep up with the latest technology. So that's becoming really essential. Um, And resorts have also, she said, been branching out into activities in other seasons, like mountain biking and zip lining to sort of stay afloat. Uh, We've seen that trend for years now, but I'm I'm sure now that it has to be in any business plan for a resort at this point. Mm, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, season pass sales are, are, are a good indicator of whether it'll be a bustling tourism season. How are they looking? Yeah, I don't have hard numbers, um, but Keeler said anecdotally things are looking good for pass sales from what she's heard from ski areas. Um, and New Hampshire's Department of Travel and Tourism said they're expecting about 3 million people to visit the state this winter. That's up from, you know, pre-pandemic numbers even um, and spend about one and a half billion dollars. So things are looking good. People want to come ski and snowboard and ice skate and all the things they do over the winter. Come on up into New Hampshire. Mara, what else are you working on? Any upcoming reporting that you want to highlight? Yeah, well, I've got a story coming out um, soon about how 
folks in New Hampshire are seeing less birds and some of the reasons that we may be seeing less birds in the state. Um, I'm also working on a feature story about how younger Republican voters are thinking about climate change in the upcoming primary and um, some of the considerations around the environment that a new generation of conservatives um, have. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll have that out in the next few weeks. All right. We'll keep an eye out for those stories. Thanks, Mara, for joining us this morning. Thanks, Rick. You can find more of their work and all the stories we talked about this morning at nhpr.org. And we're here next Friday with more top headlines. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is NHPR.